0: This is the Horse Radio Network.
1: This is episode 255 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network.
2: This is Reese Koffler-Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky.
1: And this is Philip Parks from Fergus, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Hi, hey, Reese. How Hi How are you? I'm doing all right. We had some bad weather there earlier this week. I think you did too. Yes, really? We're getting over We'd it. Snow. It's getting better again, and uh, looking forward to springtime, flowers, all that great stuff.
2: Well, we, it's back. It was actually such a weird day. Uh, what day did it snow? Monday? Tuesday. Yeah, it, was it was so cold. Tuesday, yeah. It was a nice day
1: it, on Monday, and then like Tuesday, yeah. Tuesday snowstorm.
2: It was crazy, and you probably got a lot of snow. We we got a dusting, but enough to color the grass. But then there was the greenest grass I think I've ever seen in my life. Like underneath the snow, it was yeah. so weird. It was like, <laughs> go away, winter. We have the greenest grass ever. And we had a couple of inches,
1: I guess, you know, and then <sighs> so.
2: Yeah, it's been but, it's been tough. Uh,
1: hopefully it gets better. You got the Rolex coming up.
2: Yes, next week we have Rolex. So this is when it starts to get really, really busy. Um, the next two weeks in Kentucky, uh, actually the next month or so here, it's always super busy and it's wonderful. Uh, but we have Rolex and literally every night of Rolex, usually there's something going on. So Monday night, um, the University of Kentucky is hosting. It should be a really neat event with uh, – Graham motion one of the top thoroughbred trainers and buck davidson so i'm going to go to that and i'll report back but it's going to be cool it's it's very similar to sort of what you and i do philip and that is you know two trainers sort of talking about their philosophies but you have two different very different sports so it should be a really interesting um, and don't don't forget
1: to go to the listener meetup
2: and the listener meet up with us on <laughs> Saturday. And oh my goodness, there's just so very much going on. Um, and the director of the horse park, John Nicholson, is retiring. So there's a big party for him. So there literally is something every night next, or every day and night next week. So uh, really looking forward to it. And I will also say that we have a holiday at our barn. We, we have one holiday, well, we have two holidays in the spring. Uh, the holiday is Thursday of Rolex, we go shopping. So all everybody from the barn we you know we we make sure the horses are set and where they need to be and then we all go to the horse park and we go shopping so it's very fun. It's a fun day. Everyone looks forward to it, and we just kind of relax as a barn and 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 shop and uh, see what's new out there. That's one of the things I love about Rolex is you can see all the new products that are out, um, and new bits, and and it's it's a lot of fun. So we're really looking forward to the day of of just going and hanging out with with all of my barn peeps, uh, not at the barn. Just uh, so looking forward to that. So fun fun week, and then uh, then we have Derby the next week. So. It's equally as busy, so it should be a lot of fun though. So, great.
1: yeah, well,
2: and we, yeah, we had our first horse show of yeah. the year, which is crazy. It's, um, it 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 was kind of it feels like show season took forever to get here, and then it's like, oh my gosh, it's here. That's
1: right. On, yeah, you're yeah. right on top of it, right?
2: Yeah, like whoa, and I'm, I have to do all these entries, and it's it's exciting, but it's uh, I it wasn't I think it wasn't ready for it, but um, first show was great. The horses actually were all very very good. Um, we had really really bad wind on Sunday. So they had to deal with that, and um, I, really, they were very good considering it was like a tornado. It was really windy, um, and so they were great. And a bunch of my students qualified, and uh, so it was a good first horse show. Actually, really, everyone did well. My big mare got an abscess, so uh, that was disappointing. Um, I had to withdraw her, but she's fine. She's she got her shoe back on today. So uh, in the in scale of injuries, um,
1: yeah, those can, those abscesses are are annoying. Yeah.
2: They are annoying and, and the beauty, my vet met us literally when we pulled up and he pulled up right behind me when I got home from the horse show. So we took care of her right away. So, uh, so she should be fine. She should go back to work next week. She'll be fine. Enjoyed a little vacation this week, I guess. Uh, and we took all our time soaking. Um, but yeah, so that's where we are. So it's all good stuff for sure down here. So how Excellent. about you, Philip? You fe- are you feeling better?
1: Yeah, I was really, really bad. I, I don't even think I remember doing the show with you last oh. week.
2: When we kicked you off?
1: I uh, yeah, when you kicked me off and I I mm-hmm. I kinda came out of bed to do the show and then went right back to bed after the show and I was laughing. You needed
2: to. Yeah,
1: exactly. And <laughs> yeah, I, I said to bad. Meredith, I was like, I think I did the show, but they kicked me off.
2: Yeah. And that's it was pretty what bad, remember, wasn't everybody? He fell. Yeah, oh, I he was
1: fell. really in a bad way. And I you know, I only just started getting better a couple of days ago. It was I think yeah, I had the flu.
2: Yeah, that knocks you like out. Like, I you thought know. it was
1: just a cold, but it got worse and worse, and I, I wasn't recovering as well. And
2: Yeah. Uh, well, I'm I glad you're better, stuff. for sure. Yeah, I'm glad you're better. The flu's no joke, so you sounded terrible. Yeah. So we're glad that you're okay.
1: Yeah, I'm still, yeah, I still apologize for whatever interviews I did, I did that day.
2: <laughs> you were fine. <laughs> Glenn and I made sure of it. Yeah, no, for
1: sure. Yeah. Well, we
2: have a great show today, huh? Yeah, what's
1: coming up? What, what do we got on the show?
2: We have a really good show. We have our favorite segment of the month. Hilary Moore Hebert, senior editor of Dressage Today, is going to come on and, and talk to us about what's happening at the magazine. And uh, then we have a really, a really fun interview. And we've been talking about having somebody talk about Western Dressage for a while. So we have Elaine Ward from Canada, actually. Yeah, She's we
1: finally got somebody nailed down to... Yeah. To- to give us a, you know an expert on the on the subject to talk about it so we're branching out a little bit
2: We are branching out. I'm very this proud of this because we
1: you know we were saying we know nothing about it and uh, you know we're always ready to learn about what's what's new in dressage, what's new in riding. And so this this uh western dressage movement I think is gaining momentum and it's becoming really popular with our western riders so we're we're happy we're lucky to have Elaine come and talk to us about it.
2: Exactly. So, really fun show. So, what's in the news,
1: Philip? Well, what do we got here? The world's most extensive equine surfaces study was published. Uh, on they studied the effect of arena surfaces and orthopedic health of sport horses in the different international disciplines and the the fei published this study so i think you can probably look on the fei website to find their find out what what they found out about services
2: yeah and and this is i i actually made philip put this in the news uh this week because i saw it and you know it's so hard and i and and being a farm a farm owner and philip you also help run and manage a farm and it's tricky footing is whew, it's, it's a hard thing and it's hard to it, it's hard to distinguish you know what do you put down what do you not put down you know what can you afford there's a lot of stuff I would have yeah. loved to have put down but I couldn't afford it and um so how does that work so um I'm actually going to pull this up uh, at the end of the show and and take a look at it myself because I think it's really interesting um to figure out Yeah well out well kind of delving
1: into kind of the racing aspect you know they went from their dirt tracks to that poly track Mm -hmm. And now I think there was uh, one of the tracks pulled out, the poly track, put dirt back in, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, they're they're finding toilet was. Um, you know, I, I, off the top of my head, I don't, I I, I was at Keeneland this afternoon actually, and it's still down there, but I know Keeneland owns a portion of that company. So, um, it's still down there, but uh, you know, they were finding that a lot of the horses were getting soft tissue injuries. Yeah. They weren't having sort of the catastrophic injuries, but they were having the soft tissue injuries. So yeah,
1: I guess with the harder dirt, they were having more bone Mm -hmm. fractures and then, and then you get with the, if the surface is a little too soft then you're getting tendon ligament pulls and all kinds of yeah. stuff. So Yeah. I mean, I think that's something that they're doing a lot of research into now.
0: I'm I know glad. with a,
1: a lot of the new dressage jumping surfaces, people are changing their minds about them and you know, there's so many um, so many facets of it because you need a surface that's going to that's going to take a bit of water on it. I mean, there's the the elements factor of it. You know, you don't want a surface that can freeze. Things yeah. like that, and then you want the best surface for the horse's legs and stuff, and and opinions yeah. are always, it's you know opinions are always changing. People are always getting finicky, and yeah. there's always a new thing coming out, right? So yeah. I think it's important that somebody takes charge and actually looks at this. Yeah, from, looks uh, at what
2: it is. Yeah, what do you guys have in, in Canada? What works best for you all?
1: I, I've seen so many new surfaces these days, you know, because yeah. uh, at at the showgrounds where they're where they're hosting the Pan Ams next year that's not too far from me and uh they're putting in you know all new brand new surfaces and you know it seems like you know in dressage jumping now they're going with you know with the felt mix you know i Mm -hmm. don't know which companies um which company they actually went with but there's a few different ones that are that are having that textile sand mix with it you know so that seems to deal really well with with rainy conditions
0: Mm -hmm. that's nice
1: but uh like I said, some people are saying to me. Uh, somebody was saying the other day, "Oh well, I don't like that surface anymore. It's too soft." Or you know,
2: yeah, yeah, I know it's tricky. I I have also admiring uh, sand and carpet. It was a yeah. byproduct of the carpet industry, and I've been really happy with it. But mine's inside, and and you can
1: control. Yeah, then there's you know, the inside I, versus yeah. outside yeah. problem. Yeah, then, it's, it's then tricky. Then there's the how do you how do you work it up? You know, you got to have the yeah. special thing to work it up.
2: Yeah, special. It's tracks.
1: really getting complicated.
2: It is so. Before
1: I people would just be like, "Just put some sand down; and sand you're good down to go." Go for it. It yeah. drains pretty well, you know. Whatever. And now you're spending <laughs> tens of thousands of dollars on footing and hundreds and, of thousands of dollars. And you hate for them to come out, you know, with a study two years later and say, "Hey, that that's no no good." Now you need yeah. this other footing. It can yeah. be very frustrating in footing. It
2: can. So I hope that this helps everybody. We just saw it, and, and and we thought it would be worth talking about a little bit. So hopefully that brings some light on on you for it. Uh, And and I'm also going to read it to you today. So uh, we do have some sad news. One of our favorites, Lars Peterson and Mariette. um, uh, She has, uh, it sounds like she has also an abscess. Um, So the 16-year-old mare has been withdrawn from the World Cup. um, And Lars Peterson is based in Florida, um, but he rides for Denmark. So uh, she's been scratched. And a Russian rider, Elena Oh boy, Sidneva and Romeo Star, and I apologize to her for butchering her name, uh, have been replaced. Uh, have replaced him. So we're sorry to hear that. That is always disappointing when you. Uh, well, the so World Cup.
1: World Cup's coming up this week, right?
2: Yeah. So. And Charlotte
1: is week. now going for her first World Cup victory.
2: Oh, she's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> As we all know, uh, we've got to get her on the show. I'd love to talk to her. I'm sure she's wonderful. And so she's going for. She's starting to go for the Grand Slam, isn't she?
1: Yeah. So. Yeah, the Grand Slam. That fingers would be cross. yeah, that would be really good. Yeah, Valero, you know, up. Mm-hmm. staying at the top of the world. So,
2: fingers crossed for her. So, really excited about that.
1: Well, we're going to get to the show in a minute, but before that, we've got Glenn. has got a, he's going to come on and remind us about a couple of things. He's got some announcements. Um, so, right after that, Elaine Ward will come on and talk to talk to us about Western Dressage.
0: <laughs> Hi, Reese and Philip. I just wanted to remind everybody that we are having a Horse Radio Network listener meetup at the Rolex Kentucky three day event. If you're going to be there, please do stop by and see us a half an hour before cross country starts at jump number one. We have five hosts of the Horse Radio Network going to be there. Reese, of course, will be there with us. And we have, uh, Samantha from the eventing radio show Jamie and I will be there from Horses in the Morning and Jennifer from Horse Tip Daily. We will all be there greeting and having a little fun, maybe walking a couple jumps uh, with you guys and then heading off for our days. So if you'd like to stop by, say hi and meet everybody and have a little chat half an hour before cross country starts at Rolex. We'll look forward to seeing you then and don't forget Horses in the Morning will be coming to you live from Rolex 9 a.m. Friday morning at Horses in the com, and Sunday morning at 9 a.m. Tons of great guests and a lot of fun. Horses in the morning.com. Well, it is my
1: pleasure to introduce today Elaine Ward, owner of Kirkridge Equestrian Center, president of the Western Style Dressage Association of Canada. Um, Elaine was long listed for Canadian Dressage Team and author of uh, on the basics, the Western Dressage Manual. Welcome to the show, Elaine.
3: Thank you very much.
1: We are really excited to have you on today because uh, maybe, as recent I have said, we know absolutely nothing about Western style dressage, and we're excited to learn about it, and hopefully our listeners are too. So, Elaine, maybe you can start us out with just uh, how you got involved with Western style dressage. You know, from coming from a competitive dressage background and what you got what got you started in it
3: okay um, back about 1981 uh, when I started my professional end of uh, the dressage world what I really found was is that I had a lot of the western riders coming up to me that had a lot of issues as far as cadence riding their horses uh, riders in their horsemanship and their position and uh, that's really where it started and uh, it was Probably around 1988, that I was contacted by a gentleman in southwestern Ontario who had one of the lo- largest uh, cutting horse farms, and he had me come out and work with his trainers, and really try to put the dressage basics on on their western horses. So that's pretty well where it started, and uh, I've been kind of been the, the go-to girl, and uh, really been doing western dressage. Since back about 1981, and uh, when I found out in 2010 that there was actually a name for what I was doing, I was absolutely thrilled, and uh, kind of went with it.
1: So, is it fair to say you were kind of doing it before you even realized that, that it was something other people were doing as well?
3: Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, the one thing is, is that when I initially started riding is I rode Western. I did a lot of 4-H activities. uh did some showing quarter horses and paints before I really got kind of into, totally into the competitive dressage. And so really I've been kind of working back and forth over the years in Western and English. So it really, it was it was just like coming home, you know. It was great. So Elaine, can
2: you tell us a little bit about, just kind of start us from the beginning. What is Western style dressage? Um, let's start with that.
3: Okay. Now, what it is called is actually Western Dressage. The, the Western Style Dressage, where it gets a little bit confusing in Canada, was is that we formed the Western Style Dressage Association of Canada. The name uh, really came from Industry Canada, where we couldn't have the name Western Dressage because it was too close to not-for-profit associations in Western Canada. So the discipline is actually Western Dressage. Um,
2: So Elaine, can you start us kind of what are the basics of Western dressage?
3: Well, the basics of Western dressage are exactly the same basics as regular dressage. Is uh, we work through pretty well two concepts, either working through the German training pyramid or going through the uh, the French school of lightness. Um, The second one I really prefer is the French school. And what we're looking for is the three main goals at, at the beginning and the basics are, is we, we're looking for attention, relaxation, and balance on the horses. And we're really working within the, uh the confirmation of the horses. You know, we're not looking for those big, huge moving kind of warm bloods because the majority of the horses that we're working with are the Western Red horses. So what we're doing is we're taking it from that point and then continuing on to have the horses become relaxed, forward, supple, uh, willing and obedient so that those horses can not only compete in Western dressage classes, but also they can go into other disciplines. Um, the, the one student that I have right now who's done extremely well, um, she's been in the extreme cowboy competitions and she won the 2013 Ontario extreme cowboy championship. She won the, um, the, the open and the non pro division. So she's really found a huge benefit to it because now that she's understanding the language of her horse and she's also understanding the language of her own body, uh, people are just coming up to her saying, Where did you get that training from? You're amazing. Everything's smooth, everything's precise. So that's really uh, what Western dressage can be. It can be between doing it as competitively um riding through the levels and riding the patterns but it also can be used for uh riding into other different western
1: disciplines. Elaine, can you talk to me a little bit about maybe some of the differences? Obviously, there's going to be a tack difference um and I think for me the you know what what I've been thinking of is a little bit the different bits that are used in in mm-hmm. in the western riding than the English Rodding, can you tell me a little bit about the differences there?
3: Right. Well, th- this, the first thing you have to realize is that within our rule book from the Western uh, Style Dressage Association of Canada and the Western Dressage Association of America is that we do not like harsh bits. We encourage uh, at the basic levels, is that the horses are ridden in snaffles. Um, also that we also permit bitless and we permit bozzles on the horses. So that's really one of the big differences, but I think the one thing that is really kind of one of the misconceptions is, is that when you take uh, people from the that's only ridden strictly English, is that they see the curves on these horses and realistically, I mean the lightness we have on these horses is is incredible. I mean what what I would be looking for in a in a dressage horse myself personally. And the fact is that these bits are very soft. Um, they're not the high curves. Uh, they're not the huge porks on them. Um, the bit that I actually use on my one mare, uh, KFL Moss, is that it's a, it's called a transitional curve. So that that even though we we are permitted to ride two handed, is that the the bit is very very light. Um, it's, it's it's almost it looks like kind of an extended kind of mullen mouth, like a round mouth inside. So, again, is that the bits are not strong, and I think that's really one of the biggest things that we've found uh, with the English riders that have been kind of watching us go around saying, oh, you people ride in huge curb bits, and we, as a matter of fact, we don't. But like I said, we really encourage the, the lower-level horses to get them forward and, and willing and work on the lateral uh, side of things is that we do encourage the use of, of the snaffle, the bozzle, and uh, the bitless bridle.
2: So tell us, what are the levels, you know, in, in, in dressage uh, or regular dressage, you know, you have training level, first level, second level. How does it work in Western?
3: Um, pretty well the same. We start with an introductory test, uh, which will have the riders come in, and they will do uh, like a working walk, a working jog uh, at, at the, the intro, which is pretty well the uh, beginning. And, uh, and then we go up to basic level which is pretty well the same as riding training level. Um, We have the riders go in and they do a working walk, a working jog, and a working rope, and they do the 20-meter circles, they change direction. Um, We start more of the little bit more complicated at level one, which we'll be asking the horses to do a turn on the forehand, uh, 360 degrees compared to the older size test, it used to be 180 um, a turn on the haunches, which can be de- either done from a halt or from a shortened walk. And then we move up to level two, where we work more with the collection, which is almost the same as, as riding a uh, second-level massage. And we'll be asking the horses, uh, starting to develop collection, then we will have shoulder in, haunches in, um, halts, backs, collected jog, collected loaves. So, and then we have up to third level um, where then we'll be starting to introduce half taps along with those other moves and a couple little bit more intricate maneuvers like um, a haul a turn on a half turn on the forehand and then a half turn on the haunches. And I think we go up to 360 degrees at that point at level three.
1: The next question is. is... Do most riders sorry, do most riders ride with two hands like we do in the English dressage or is it mainly uh people prefer to ride the one handed like in Western?
3: Well, what we what we found is working in, in the basic levels, um, again, this is Western dressage is uh the basics of training. It is permitted either you can ride either one hand in a curb or two hands. And the snaffle you'd obviously ride in two hands. It's in the rules. Um, what we really found is, is that riding and, and doing kind of the lateral maneuvers um, that we're doing is, it, it is somewhat easier to do with two hands, with a curb. But what we're looking for in the future, um, riding at level four and above, is that we will start be giving bonus points for those riders riding one-handed curb. Because at that point, they should be either carrying yourself. Um, they're, they're in self-carriage, they're, they're light, um, the horses are more responsive. So at that point, then we'll be, we'll be looking at riders, uh, using one hand.
2: So what type of horses, Elaine, are you looking for? Like, what's the, what, what, what horses do you like to have?
0: All
3: right. Um, well, really is that what I've found is, is that we have kind of an eclectic collection Mm-hmm. of horses out there. Um, myself personally, I am showing with an uh an Arabian trotter um who is just taken to this like like a duck to water. She's she's absolutely amazing because she already has that natural engagement and movement and, and balance to her. Um, but we found that people are coming in with, with breeds like halflingers, um, percher on crocs, There's a lot of quarter horses and paint. But people are coming to us not necessarily for the breed of their horse, but, but realizing is that with the training, having the basics of the western dressage down, is that it's to make those horses better. And I, I think this is what we've really found is that riders are at, coming out that um, probably the average age of riders that I have dealt with um, that doing clinics all over Canada, is that I'm pretty well working with the 40-plus crowd, um, ladies and mostly ladies that have come out that maybe rode in the past um, that perhaps did some dressage, but their bodies are just saying to them, hey, I can't handle that big warm blood anymore. Um, they prefer the Western saddle. So that's what we're we're really working with right now, is that there's really no ideal Western dressage horse. Um, it's really out there to, to make the horses better than the ones that they had become better and to develop a better
1: partnership can you tell us a little bit about what a judge may be looking for in a test and maybe a little bit about the uh, the outlines of the horses i mean in in english dressage we we like a really compact outline. Can you maybe describe some of the differences about if if we showed up to a western dressage competition how we, how would we pick out the the winning horses and stuff i mean our scores are, yeah. are based a lot on movement and stuff, and you're saying the movement you know, doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. matter. So, what, what makes a great test?
3: Right. So, what makes a, a, a great test, and, and this is the one thing that, that with the Western Design Association of America, is that number one is accuracy, uh, number two is calmness in the horse's responsiveness. But what they're they're also considering is the fact that if you have different breeds of horses, of course their outlines are going to look somewhat different, but they're really encouraging that the horses are through their back, they're balanced, and they're carrying themselves in a light manner. So, you know, looking at kind of a, you know, the horse that I have, and I keep going back to my example of an Arabian is is that... She's a little bit higher in her natural carriage um, versus a quarter horse that, you know, something that's maybe built a little bit lower in front. But yeah, I think it's really going to come down to the subjectiveness of the judges, um, what what they're going to find better. Uh, there's a lot of Andalusians right now that are starting to compete, uh, Frisians. So realistically, there's, there's kind of a mishmash of different horses and, out there. So that's what they're going to be looking at is balance, lightness, um, there's no huge, you know, there's no massive resistance for the riders. It's just really looking for a, a pleasing, quiet, obedience test. Well,
2: that, sound, that sounds great, actually. I would like that too, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, so tell us a little bit about the show circuit. I, I, I don't know if we have a lot of Western dressage, at least in this area.
3: Yeah. Now we're we're beginning in, in Canada. Um, what we're doing is we're slowly starting to move into the uh, the dressage competitions right now. As it stands is is that because Western dressage is not a accepted discipline yet by F one Canada, although we are working on it, um, we have been permitted to put the Western dressage classes into the uh, it's called the miscellaneous category at any level show. So what we've been doing is piggybacking on the dressage shows at this point um, pretty well just because of the numbers. I mean, we've only had the Western Style Dressage Association of Canada going since 2011, um, but what we're finding now is that this is what we've been doing is, is moving it in into those type of shows. Um, for example, is that we have uh, in Ontario, we have uh, Western dressage classes in, in the bronze-level shows has in the schooling shows and versus Alberta where it's really catching on fire is that they're allowing the western dressage classes to be put into into the gold into the national level shows which is wonderful
1: interesting that's cool how you can just you know maybe they can get them combined together and then you know just it would expand the sport so much dressage yeah no they maybe you can help me differentiate between western dressage and raining, which we hear a lot, is is the dressage of the Western world.
3: Right. Now, reining is a totally, again, a totally different discipline. But if you thought about reining at the beginning, where they're asking the horses to be relaxed, forward, calm, working on the lateral longitudinal suppleness, that's where Western dressage is. It's, it's where at that point where if you had a horse that was a decent mover that was going around quite well, is that if it was your decision to take that horse into reining to do the higher level stuff um, pretty well I could say that the same thing is that if you had a horse that had good basic level training, whether you wanted it to turn into a dressage horse or a jumper or a hunter um, that's that's the point where you'd take that horse So that's where we're working with Western dressage is to take them take them down to the we we'll call them molecular level of training and really, Um, not only is a benefit for the horses, but also for the riders, um, having the riders understand communication with their horses.
1: A lot about really solid basics, I'm sure. Exactly. Right, right. Well, Elaine, I want to thank you for coming on the show with us today. If people want to find out more information about you or about your book or about Western Dressage, how would they do that?
3: Yeah, probably the simplest way to find me is if you go on the Internet and you type in ca. that'll put you to my website, and it'll also give you a nice little link there that uh, you can go in and you can check out my book, which is called On the Basics, the Western Style Dressage Manual. If you want any information regarding the Western Style Dressage Association of Canada, our website is ca.
1: And I think I found a little information on Facebook as well, right?
3: Yeah, we're also on Facebook. Uh, You can check it out, Western Style Dressage, Association of Canada, or my books on Facebook. And if you type in On the Basics, the Western Style Dressage Manual, I'm sure it will pop up.
1: That's great. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and teaching us everything about Western Dressage.
3: Okay, wonderful. Thanks for having me.
2: Well, that was quite an interesting discussion on Western dressage. I I look forward to learning more about it. I think it's a really cool um, kind of branching out of our discipline. So I love it. So right after this commercial break, we have Hilary Moore Hebert, senior editor from Dressage Today, and uh, she's going to do our monthly segment on what's going on at the magazine.
3: Are you tired of treating your horse for soreness? Well then, be proactive. Benefab offers you and your horse a natural remedy to joint and muscle stiffness, inflammation, and circulatory deficiencies. Benefab offers a variety of innovative products, like saddle pads and polo wraps and quarter sheets for your horse, and socks and blankets for you. Simply ride in it or wear it, and feel the difference Benefab's ceramic-infused products make. You can check them out online at BenefabProducts.com. Or you can call them toll free at 855 957
4: 8378.
2: Well, I am so excited to have Hillary Moore Hebert, the senior editor from Dressage Today, on for our favorite segment of the month. Hillary, how are you doing this week? I am doing fantastic. How are you guys? We are doing great. Thank you for coming on the show a little bit early this month.
4: Oh, no problem. (laughs)
2: So <laughs> we have Rolex, yeah. We have Rolex next week, so we're we're gonna do a, a recorded best of show. So thanks for coming on.
4: Oh, and our friends over at Practical Horsemen, who share the office with us, are actually headed down there. I think for a marathon amount of coverage as well. So make sure to say hello to them.
2: Excellent. That sounds great. Well, Hillary, what is in the magazine? Um, what's what are we talking about today? So, because
4: April is my birthday month. And because we're on a little bit early, I'm giving you guys all a treat and I'm going to talk about the May issue, which has not come out yet, but I thought it would be...
1: Sneak nice preview. Season. Sounds great.
4: Yes.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs>
4: <laughs> so the first thing that I wanted to talk about was we got to have an exclusive interview with Robert Dover, who's our um, a new-ish technical advisor, chef to keep for the U.S. National Dressage Team. And it was a really cool interview. And I thought that uh, it was really interesting because he mentioned in his interview that his very first CDI at the Grand Prix level was the 1984 Olympic Games in Los Angeles, California. Really? And I thought that that was really interesting because I would have probably passed out (laughs) and been crying in the corner if I had that amount of pressure. So I thought that was a neat thing to think about. Um, but I also thought it was a neat thing to think about really how far things have come. Um, you know, we're doing a future article about the format change of the Pan-American Games and how they're starting to add the the big tour with the Grand Prix and everything. And it just continues to amaze me, really, the progress that U.S. Dressage has made, even in our lifetimes.
1: So, Hillary, do you think that he qualified for the Olympics via a national show circuit?
4: I don't know. I think you know in terms of how he did it, I don't know what the 90, 1984 qualifying criteria was and that's a really interesting question that now I'm going to have to go back and ask him about.
1: It, it must have been had, right. I mean, well,
4: we may, may not have just been had competing CDS. in Grand Prix since 1977. So wow. it must have been national shows. I don't know if maybe um you know, you could do CDIs and then it was national shows that didn't count as, you know, that weren't right. CDI level. That That's a really interesting question that I think because he had so much other great stuff to talk about just didn't end up coming up surprisingly.
2: Well, and it may have been that we just didn't have that amount of CDIs, you know, yeah. there may have you know only been a couple each year. So, wow. So what are some other things that he talked about?
4: Um, I think it's really interesting to see, with Robert Dover in particular, um, he went to four Olympics, won World Equestrian Games. He has uh, really many, many accolades and has won many medals, and I think it's interesting to see that um, as everything progresses in Versace, that not just the Netherlands and Germany are dominating in the European side. You look at the London Games, for example, and the British team um, coming really what seemed like out of nowhere and just taking everything uh, w- was really interesting. And then you have Lars Peterson and Mikola, um, you know, going over to World Cup. And I think it's really interesting to see how there's more of a diversity of countries. You know, certainly not as much as it could be, but just seeing the growth there, I think, is really interesting. What do you guys think?
2: Yeah, no, I think the, the same thing. I mean, and and it's interesting because with, with Great Britain, you know, for example, they really laid out a plan on how to get to the podium, you know, in London. That was a very planned kind of progression for them. And I think that, um, you know, I hope that Robert will will also bring that to the U.S. I think that, that a lot of these countries have been able to say, okay, this is how we're going to grow and use the European system, German system, Dutch system to kind of grow their own. So I think it it is really interesting. But it's now I think it's interesting to see how the other countries, hopefully ours, um, and Canada, Philip, are going to do that for themselves.
1: Well, it's quite something to see as like, you know, some of the other, you, you know, Italy, Sweden, you know as they progress along like it's not just germany and holland up there and then just canada america looking to catch up everyone else is trying to catch up too and you know if we fall behind even a little bit there's somebody else looking to take that place you know as as america took bronze medal for a couple of games there and and was really solidified in the third place spot now it can it can be anyone really you know it can be any one of the countries that will just come up with uh, you know uh, they've got the training systems they got the breeding over there in Europe as well i think they got that kind of figured out it's it's becoming much more of a global sport and it's really it's really good to see i mean it's it's a little bit you know it doesn't take much to fall behind you know um i think germany found itself a little bit in trouble uh, coming up to this games and uh, and they of course have all the depth you know that you would want in a country you know with Grand Prix horses and trainers and stuff um, but anyone is ready to step up and it's it's good to see it's you know it's not so much you know okay you go into the World Cup or you go into a game and say here's the placings duh, 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 you know first through fifth that's who's got it you know you so many horses are close You know, and can just, you know, have a good games and step up and and win a medal. And, um, you know, it's really worldwide now. That's good to see, yeah.
4: And I think it's, um, you know, definitely something that you can see uh, coming up with Helen Lange-Hennenberg and Charlotte de Jardin that are going to be going, you know, head-to-head. And really it is those matter of those points and how, you know, how much you're riding. Because you can get a certain percentage, but then can you get that extra little bit because things are getting so close? And I think what's interesting is sort of knowing at least that your baseline is at a certain point. And that is one thing that Robert talked about in the interview is that, um, you know, that he sees in the United States quite a few combinations that are showing the ability to reach near or even 80 percent. And that, um, you know, having... Beautiful gaits, responsiveness, and for attitudes and a great ability to find the balance necessary for the most difficult movements are all things that are qualities that they're looking for for U.S. horses, but also, you know, are developing with all the programs that are coming around. And I think it's interesting to think about sort of tactically that you're saying, okay, we need to at least have that for the team to be in contention, and then the rest is really pushing yourself.
1: Yeah, it's really. I mean, the standard is is way up there now. I mean, Stefan's talked about it in uh, a lot of articles and things. And you need eighty percent base now to compete worldwide and to be looking for podium spots. It used to be, you know, seventy was great, seventy five would get you there. The just that bar has just gone to that next level, and uh, and it's. I mean, it's great to sit and watch these these. Uh, These tests at home, um, you know, on the worldwide, you know, we have access to YouTube and all these things to see how wonderful these tests are. But when you're thinking, like, I've got to reach that level, it takes so much. It takes so much more. The horses have to be better. The riding has to be better. You know, uh, hopefully they can come up with a plan to get. And, you you know, you need a couple of horses, not just that one shining star, but you need a couple of horses to be able to have that 80% base in a Grand Prix test to uh to be competitive. So tough tough job. Tough job for everybody. Uh you know. Well,
2: yeah. It makes us need to go ahead, Hillary.
4: Oh, I was gonna say, and that's what um, you know, Adelinda Cornelison says in her Fit for Riding. She says um, you know, really that the, the quality of horses and the quality of the riding that's getting there, that everybody has to make sure that they're not the weakest link, their horse is not the weakest link, and that the the game that we have created in this sport is really pushing itself way beyond where you were 20 years ago.
2: Oh, I mean, I would even say uh, five years ago. I mean, I think mm-hmm. things have really changed uh, a lot and and also the level of like you said fitness uh mental fitness uh, you know physical fitness for the riders i mean i think you look back at some of the pictures and i I've, I've loved uh the kind of the throwback articles that dressage today has been doing but it and it's fun to look back at the pictures and see okay these were you know magazine pictures 20 years ago or you, you know it's 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 really risen um and and you have to be good at all those things um to, to really compete now, which I think is is really, it, it is very, very difficult to compete as we see at that level. So it's it's neat to see and, and watch and, and learn from them. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, everybody's looking for that extra little edge, whether it's the sports psychology side of it, you know, just like in other sports, you know, you got people with a lot of talent, but it takes that extra little thing that's going to help somebody to compete on the day and and get the results when they when they matter when you know when they count so a lot of different aspects are coming into play
2: so Hilary, how about our next how about our next one mhm so
4: it's actually related to the same topic and again as i was talking with adalinda's article um for her to get her edge, I was floored when this article came in and we talked to her because, um, first of all, every time she rides, not sometimes, every single time, she puts a heart monitor on all of her horses, which I felt like, okay, I'm going to just go and hide in a corner because apparently I'm just not up to the same game that she is. Um, and it's actually how they found Percival's, uh heart condition that he ended up getting treated for and is now back from. Um, But I just thought that that was fascinating. So she trains her horses based on their increased heart rate with specific goals, you know, depending on the horse, where they want to push their heart rate up to a certain uh, beats per minute three times throughout the work, and that's their goal for the work sessions. It's not, okay, let's drill this, this, and this. It's that she wants to get them fitter, and is really tracking that they have Um, you know, these high intensity moments and then come back down from it and then they push them back up. And I thought that was really interesting. She also said that um, on lower intensity days, right after she's had a hard workout, she always works the horses lighter. And again, the focus is on maintaining a lower heart rate. So I thought that that was really interesting. Um, And the last piece to that that I found really interesting is she finds out that some of the pieces, like, for example, for some horses, pirouettes, their heart rate doesn't go up, whereas other horses it does. And they always sort of say to them, okay, let's not just define a difficult movement based on the fact that it's Grand Prix or whatever. It's based on how the horse reacts to it with that increased heart rate or, you know, lack thereof. So I thought that that was a really fascinating thing.
2: So, Hilary, let me ask you, is she monitoring, who's monitoring the heart rate? Does she have, like... How does that – did she say how she's doing it? I'm just curious.
4: It's hooked up like underneath the girth. There's photos of it. And then it just, you know, goes wired up to the top. And so they can just track it, um, you know, real time as he's working so that as she's working, they just have it on him. Huh. I
2: have never heard of that.
4: That's Yeah, I didn't either. And it's just like a little wire. It kind of looks like if you were to plug your headphones into – you know some sort of device it just looks like a black cord from your headphones running from the girth up towards her uh pommel of her saddle
0: huh cool
1: it's cool yeah i mean uh, we've heard about this with human athletes they've got all kinds of. i mean you can go to the store and look at you know all these uh, monitors and stuff that hook straight up into your watch or your iphone you know they're talking about that's that's the next level of of being able to be aware of of you know where you are at as an athlete, so it just makes sense. Just just take it to the horses; they're the athletes. You want to be able to be aware of where they're at, heart rate wise, fitness wise, and the more you can monitor that, the more you can be aware of how your horse is and 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 how they're doing. I mean, like you said, they were able to find a a, a small heart issue with uh, Parseval because of this. I mean, it just, it helps with the treatment of horses. You know, you can figure out what, you know, try and figure out what's wrong with them when things aren't going well, you know, and having a good baseline of, of where their fitness is at. So, uh, bringing the science into it, that makes a lot of sense.
2: So Hilly, that was a great tip. What's our next one? So it's again,
4: Adelinda because in case she's not already overachieving enough, She, on Wednesdays, every single Wednesday, drives an hour and a half to go train from 1130 to 130, uh, you know, unmounted exercising, and um, she feels as though, again, like her horses are athletes, she needs to be as well, and she has some neat exercises. She talks about how she um, brushes her teeth standing on one foot to develop balance. Uh, she works on things like, you know, that exercise where you put your hands out and someone tries to slap them before you move them away. She yeah. she does like reaction things so that, you know, it's the same way. So your horse pulls forward. It just, it develops your reaction time. So she does things like that. And then also coordination. So she would maybe do some exercises like boxing, trying to hit um, the palm of somebody as they move it around. So it's, again, balance, reaction, and coordination, and she never does the same exercises twice. They go around and do all these different things, um, you know, throughout her time, and they just play with different exercises. And what's really interesting is while she's doing this and doing all these different exercises, her uh, mental coach that's there walks around the gym with all the athletes, and instead of talking about how people feel, he'll actually – Ask them how they feel as they're doing things that feel uncomfortable for them, you know, saying, "Are you? how is your breathing? Do you notice that you're holding your breath? Are you stiffening up anywhere? And he kind of tracks these things as they perform so that he notices what people tend to do. Do they tend to get tight in their shoulders when they're nervous? Um, you know, different types of things. And then he works on that to help them make sure that they're paying attention and avoiding those things when they're performing, which can then translate to the saddle.
2: Wow. I
1: mean, Man, they're working hard, uh,
2: eh? I'm like, wow. <laughs> that, that goes back to sort of the first topic we were talking about, you know, how when you eat at the international level, it, it, is, a, it is a different animal. I mean, you know, those are the type of things that – I mean, I, I didn't work on those things, but you, you certainly had to step up my fitness level. I mean, those are incredible things, and but those are the demands that, that these riders have on them that they need to be able to do that. So it's incredible, actually, that she even number one shared it with the magazine because that's awesome. Um, but you can see now she then I'm sure goes home and works on the exercises that they gave her. Uh, she's she sounds she sounds like you know just just very focused on all of those things and i think it's incredible to to hear and kind of get an insight into what she's doing i mean that's awesome
1: it's not just about riding anymore right you can't just ride 10 horses a day and 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 that's it you know everybody's thinking about like i said the what's the what's going to give them that little competitive that little piece that little competitive edge because there are so many great riders at that at that level you know they want to really perform and outperform and go to the next step, and, and what's going to help their riding, and what's going to be, uh, what's going to give them, maybe uh, you know, little training tools and little things that, that are just go beyond the riding. Okay. Hillary, do you have anything else for us?
4: I do. So I wanted to go to something a little bit more on the same page as everybody else that's listening, <laughs> including myself. And I had it for my Dressage 101 that I write every month. And this is the 20 meter diamond. And it's one of my absolute favorite exercises in the entire world for almost everything. Uh, And the way that I presented it was really talking about we know the 20 meter circle has consistently four points that you're trying to hit to make sure you maintain the geometry. It starts with the first point, so say you're at C. The next point would be just that four meters past M on the wall. You then hit, you know, at center line, just the two meters past I, and then back to four meters before H, before returning to the track at C. And if you can visualize and really ride that 20 meter circle with exact geometry, the idea is instead of having it be a bending line from point to point, you're just riding a straight line so that you create a diamond. And, um, this can be ridden in the end circles, the center circle. You can turn it into um, kind of a a wonky, zigzaggy, uh, three-loop serpentine kind of thing. You can do a figure eight that's really like, you know, two combined diamonds. So again, make sure you're not riding all of the aspects of the serpentine or figure eight, but think about geometrically, you're just hitting those same points. And what's neat about that, exercise and combinations and variations is it checks a couple things. The first thing it checks is that your horse is not falling out through the outside shoulder, which is very common at the lower levels. You see horses that kind of turn their circles into these massive blobby squares that take up the entire corner. So you're checking that, but then as you get more advanced and you can displace the shoulder to come around each turn, you're starting to talk about you know, depending on what gate you're in, a turn on the haunches feeling, a quarter pirouette feeling, and you can really get the horse to sit back. And then you have that straightness afterwards. So at every level, you're you're starting to be able to work the adjustability of the shoulder. And you can do it at intro level to improve your circles. You can do it, you know, at uh, second, third level to have more shoulder control. So when you're doing the half-pass shoulder in, you have better control with that. And then up at the FEI, you can use it as a nice way to play with, uh, you know, the control that you have in the pirouette so that the horse doesn't fall in too much and you can ride straight without them wanting to switch leads or, you know, get a little bit thrown off. So um, the 20-meter diamond is, again, one of my favorite exercises. And I wanted to ask you guys if you either rode that or had a variation, like with a square, that you like to use a lot as well.
2: Well, I first want to brag on this dressage one that you're doing, Hillary, because they're great. I I told I, I sat down and I read last month's was on serpentines and it was so great. It is posted in my tack room. Like these are really, really helpful exercises that I want to encourage everybody to use because I, I literally wrote this down and I have another horse, actually two more horses to work today. So uh, they're going to do this exercise because it's like, that's a great exercise. And I do it on a square, but I've never quite done it the way that you're describing, and I love it. And you could do that. I mean, that would be good for any level of horses. Um, I've also seen Stefan Peters at last year's trainers' conference did a diamond with canter pirouettes. It wasn't. It was. It was a very similar exercise um, that we used a lot um, with a Grand Prix horse we were working at the time, uh, and I loved it. But I never thought about this particular exercise and bringing it back so that, you know, that everybody could ride it. So I love it. I can't wait. Literally, I can't wait to try it in a couple minutes. So thank you for that.
1: Yeah, I wanted to throw this back to uh, our last week trainer tip about cantering. I mean, for me, I don't love, you know, horses cantering on a 20 meter circle all the time. You know, they just get really used to that curve. And like you said, they're throwing their shoulders on the curve all the time in canter, and they can make the canter difficult. Bringing it to the diamond shape is awesome, at, even at the beginning levels and training level and that. Thinking about straight lines in the canter, thinking about the alignment of the horse in the canter, and then later on, yeah, this is perfect. I do this all the time with, uh, with pirouettes, right? Because you ride a straight line, then you can sort of turn on a quarter pirouette, or just even before the horse is ready for a real kind of pirouette turns just setting them up for a collection turning them in a new direction that's that's what it's about right and just not always curving around and and riding like a corner with a, a uniform curve and and always canter. the horses are popping their shoulders out so this is uh, perfect and then yeah and then as the horse gets better and stronger you can ride a 15 meter diamond and then maybe even 10 meters and then before you know it, you're right down into full pirouette idea, right? So it's so hard to align the horse on a curve all the time that straight lines can uh, can really give you lots of insight, lots of balancing ideas to see where your horse is at. I love it. It's great. It's great.
2: Well, and I think any exercise that you can do, you know, we always go back to the basics are important because they are. And, you know, any exercise you can do to test your horse to see, you know, I always say that to my riders. Okay, come on, let's test our half halt. Let's test, you know, the turning ability. Whatever you're, whatever you're doing. So to step it back and do a pretty basic exercise, it it gives you a lot of information on how things are going. So, um, so I I love it that this is a really good reminder um, to to be focused on that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's what dressage is all about: is is getting some feedback from just trying to ride something a little different or that may seem more difficult, but again, you're going to get ideas and an insight back from the horse. Where am I at? Where am I going? What should I be focusing on? What should I be doing? Where are my weak points? What am I good at? What am I strong at? You know, all that feedback is so important day to day rather than just doing the same thing, the same 20 meter circle all the time and saying, well, it's not really getting better. It's not really getting worse, but I'm just stuck in the in this place, so it's great to have lots of ideas and different exercises to uh to be able to get some of that feedback. That's perfect. thank you so much hillary hillary
4: mm-hmm. and I think also you know that when you have the diamond or you have all those different pieces i think and this is sort of the direction I'm going on with the the column is think about not just, like you're saying, riding the same exercises over and over again, but how do they relate to things that are exercises you're doing over and over again? Like, for example, you know, could I ride one moment of what feels like a turn into a diamond if I'm losing the horse's shoulders, even on the long side, right? It's just one half a stride where you're kind of pulling them in to get them in shoulder four. It's identical to the movement that you're going to ride to get that turn to come around if you're on a diamond. So it's developing that muscle memory and things that are, you know, basic foundation things that you can then at any level say, okay, I remember this, I can easily do it, and you can kind of recall it if you're getting into a bind with something. Um, You know, and that's where you're going to have more success is making things more simple but kind of mixing it up in a way that you break down the pieces and, you know, can then use them when you're, you know, thinking and really applying it to your riding. So you're not just going through the motions, but thinking about, okay, what did I learn in that other exercise? And can I relate it to this?
2: Yeah, that's so that is so very true. And, and and it's always nice to have those tools. <laughs> you know, when you're at a horse show, or, or even schooling, or you're you're in, in trouble in a way, you know, just to say, Oh, Oh, yeah, I know how to make that turn. Um, because of the diamond exercise that we worked. So I love it. That's a great exercise. I can't wait to try it myself. So, Hilary, do we have any more this week?
4: Yes, I have one more tip for you guys, and it's our uh, Backpage Solutions. And I think that it's really straightforward. Uh, Andreas Helgstrand, we're doing our uh, popular world equestrian game solutions every month, and he says that to avoid pulling back, imagine that it's like trying to drive forward while engaging the parking brake in your car you can't go forward with your horse no matter how much you push push on the gas pedal if you're constantly pulling backwards with the reins. So I thought that that was just a nice visual to think about, you know, as you're driving your car thinking about what would happen if you just all of a sudden pulled the emergency brake and it's that same feeling, you know, with your horse if you were to suddenly grab at the reins and get too tight in the contact. So I thought that that was a a neat visual to just keep in mind in all of the exercises no matter what level
1: yeah that's a that's a great kind of idea you know we see we want to ride so much control all the time that it's kind of like the parking brake is always on we never really allow the horses freedom to just you know give them their head and and let go and and trust them and just go 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 right so uh yeah don't be riding with the parking brake on sometimes you got to just just give it up right give up all your control and uh, and ride for super big energy super big extension you know medium canter yeah it's it's a great idea
2: and those are also a really good a good tip. They're in the back of every magazine and uh, you know every dressage today, and they're they're great because I had a student that put them up. It was the wallpaper in her tack room, and uh, it was cool because you could go and and get a tip for the day uh, by looking at those. So those are also really helpful, great visuals, and something to be like, oh, am I am I doing that? Because I think there's sometimes that we're, obviously you're not trying to do that. Um, but when you think about it, you're like, "Oh, that's kind of happening to me." Um, so I love it. Well, Hillary, thank you as always. Our favorite segment of the month. Um, how do our listeners find you on the internet?
4: They can check us out at DressageToday.com, as well as visiting us on our Facebook page, Twitter, Pinterest, and YouTube.
2: Awesome. Well, thanks so much, and we can't wait to hear um, next month what's going on at, at, at Dressage Today. Well, I always, always love Hillary segment. I I look forward to it every lots show. Lots of great or, tips.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, we taped it a little bit earlier in the week because she can come on today's Thursday and she can come on and, and we talked about the diamond and I had lots of people I you know, and I myself was riding that, that diamond Me too. this week. Yes. Really I, uh yeah. you know what I you know what I did just as a little tip here? For the horses that have were having trouble with the canter lengthenings, you know, those first level horses yes. and a little bit yes. of the second level horses, I was, you know, had had the riders riding the diamond and lengthening for one section, then shortening for the next oh, section. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it really helped the horses weight a little bit and the riders understand how to make the half halt in the canter because when you come around that turn, you got a half halt, get that shoulder around rather than letting the horses just careen through.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, the rect
1: through the corner of, of the rectangle, you know, I think it really yes. helps. So
2: I, give, I that also, a go- give that a try. Yeah, give it a go. I, I also very similar. I used it on a couple of different horses. Also, one is a young rider or junior. She's a junior. She's uh, ooh, 12. She always has trouble with her horse falling out the shoulder in, in every gate. Walk, trot and canter. She sort of <laughs> it
0: common goes problem.
2: A, yeah. A teenage girl mind and completely forgets to steer. And then she's sort of falling out of the ring. And it's been going on for a while. And uh, we every week we work on it, and she was awesome this week. We did that diamond, and and same thing. It really made her focus on turning the shoulder and the outside rein, and so it was fabulous. It really was it was a good deal. She did a great job. I uh, also used it with some young horses. Uh, little man has such a such a big canter that he also struggles a little bit with that turning, that idea of yeah. turning. So. Yeah. Uh, I love it. So those, I'm telling you, those dressage one-on-ones that Hillary does, I'm going to save them all because the last month was the serpentine and this month is the diamond. And uh, that is really an exercise. Yeah, she there. does a
1: great job with that. Yeah. yeah. And it's great for our show to give us stuff to talk about and, yep. and great it's for our riding And, so everybody go and try okay. a diamond.
2: Yeah, try your diamond and uh, <laughs> no, but that 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 honestly, I have a couple exercises that I always sort of teach. Eventually, with all my students, there's certain exercises you go to probably. Yeah, four or five of them that you know I like everybody to sort of know so they can say you know when they come back from a lesson. One is and maybe maybe we can Philip we can start doing our own dressage one one good idea, but I do a snowman exercise. Um, and, uh, we'll, we'll talk, let's, we'll do that. We'll do a training tip on that, on that, um, next week. On the
1: snowman. I can't wait. Yeah, on the
2: snowman. Yeah. And that's (laughs) one of them. You know, I do that snowman often and, and that's an awesome exercise and the diamond, that's going to go in and then I always do a center line, um, lesson where everybody rides center lines for me because you know there's a way to ride center lines so those are some tips that that i just got i just brainstormed on the show we'll we'll bring (laughs) in our own massage 101 yeah well so unless we
1: unless we get some people sending in their their you know their ideas and their questions for us right we don't have any this week for for our own trainer tip yeah Um, well
2: i'll tell I'll, i'll tell you my i'll give you my center line exercise and really you can do it you don't necessarily need me but of course i'm I like to be there. Um, But really, (laughs) you just need somebody to stand on the center line. And, you know, we forget that every test, there's at least 20 points, an an entrance and an exit on the center line. And so you need to be able to ride a straight center line. So it really, honestly, there's going to be a relative point where you need to turn each horse. And, you know, over the weekend, I showed three very different horses from a 17-hand kind of heavy, big, going you know, younger, warm blood to an FEI mare, to my mare, to a Lusitano. And each one of those horses needs to turn at a different time. And so you just have someone stand at the center line. And as you make your turn, you're either going to be on the center line or you're not. <laughs> it's very right. simple. Right. Sounds very simple. But it's very difficult. And you need to need somebody to say, nope, that's not it. Yep, that's it. Nope, that's not it. Uh, and it's a great, it's a great way to do it. And um, really... So we do that. I mean, I I, I yeah, take. You need almost to practice it, lesson. right?
1: You, yeah. you can't be coming in on show day like, oh, mm-hmm. maybe I'll turn. Maybe that turn will work. Yeah. Maybe it won't.
2: Kind of praying for the right. Yeah, turn. praying. No. <laughs> yeah, that's not good. We don't <laughs> I've seen pray that a lot. Yeah, and you know, and in, in first level, a lot of second level, you are on the center line doing third level. You you know, you do, in third level, you do a half past a flying change on the center line. So there's a lot of times you're on the center line. So it's worth a little bit of time uh, every week. To, can I even just trot and canter a center line straight? You know, that's that's a big
1: deal. Yeah. And so. as a, as a reminder, I mean, in a show situation, you're turning from outside the ring for right. your first turn, right? Yeah, and then and from inside, inside the ring for your second turn, you got to practice both.
2: Yes, you do. You have
0: to practice both. <laughs> it's a little different rings. when you come around yeah. the
1: corner, and then that center line comes up a lot faster than if when you're riding outside the ring and you got a lot more time to turn.
2: Yep.
1: Right. So exactly. don't let it don't don't let that stuff surprise you.
2: Mm-mm. Because you would be amazed. I mean, those 20 points, you know, that's the difference between, well, goodness, you know, a 65 and a 68. Well, maybe not that much. But it, there's a big difference it, depending yeah. on how many points yeah. you get. So
1: It's worth as much practicing as anything else as your transitions yeah. and yeah. whatever so. else, right? It's pr- fairly simple to do. Like you said, you don't need a super dressage expert to stand yeah. on that line and no, say... No, my
2: husband could stand there and say, yeah, <laughs> I probably would be mad because he'd be like, it wouldn't work, but... Anybody, you know, your assistant, your friend, anybody at the barn, it, it's very easy to have someone yeah. stand there and say, "You're on the center line or you're yeah. not. You're either going to see the letter behind the horse or not. So
1: Or use your videotaping that we that we, yeah. you know we're telling always you know, Absolutely. use some videotape there to say, "You know, it felt like I was on the center line, but I was but you're two feet off, and then you could see for mm-hmm. yourself, make sure your friend's not lying.
2: Yeah, exactly <laughs> exactly so so we hope that helps so we'll we'll start our own kind of dressage 101 sort of our exercises that we are go to so we will do that in the next coming uh, weeks especially when we don't get any emails and Facebook so email and Facebook us questions we love it yeah. so um, yeah so next week Philip um, we're gonna have actually a best of show um, right. we the, pa- are the being-
1: pairs are off this month
2: yeah The pairs are off, and since Glenn is up here with us in Kentucky, um, or up with me uh, in Kentucky, we're going to do a best-of show. So we'll be back in a couple weeks, but um, you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website at dressageradio.com. You can like us on Facebook. Just search Dressage Radio Show. You can follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com, and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com.
1: You can find me at philipparksequestrian.com, and my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to put on a great show, and don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Just everybody. that simple. Yeah.
2: Yes, that's simple. And uh, everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back, and we'll talk to you in a couple weeks.